Welcome back to the DJ Sessions, where we feature the best DJs and producers from around the world. I'm your host, Aaron, and right now I'm sitting in the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington, our home base town, with none other than Mar Martin. Martin. <laughs> Martin. Okay, I'm Hoogstraten. Hoogstraten. Yes, yes. <laughs> I never, I didn't take German in school, but with the bingo players, uh, you're you're coming to us all the way in from east the east netherlands kind of yes, close to the german border yeah a, a, another difficult name enschede <laughs> and that's in the eastern part of the netherlands like really close to germany so yeah and it yeah. looks like you're coming to this from your your home studio which i have to say just looks totally inspiring somewhere thank I you so much thank you want yeah, to get yeah, back in my and... studio uh, studio in the basement of my house so it's always quiet over here and calm so it's really nice so whenever I'm feeling insp inspired or like I have an idea, I just go downstairs and I can make music. So that that's great. Now, do you have it all hooked up with like LED lights and it changes colors and everything? Or is it just you keep it? Yeah, nice well, I, I have the Philips U uh, kind of uh, thing. So I can change the mood if I want to. But uh, usually it's just this like normal <laughs> lights, you know. <laughs> Awesome. Well, you started out, we're going to get back into a little bit of history here with you. And, and you started out buying records at the age of 10. Yes. Yes. And, and what prompted you to get in and into buying records and, and getting into music like that? Uh, well, mostly because my parents were very into music. My dad had a record collection and he had a tape to tape machine, which I was very fascinated with as a little kid. So, yeah, my dad bought me the first few records and I had this like really cheap record player. And I remember the needle skipping and I had to put pennies on it to, to keep the weight down and that kind of stuff. So when I got allowance, I, the first thing I would do is like buy records. You know, uh, first uh, there were like finals, like 12 inches or seven inches. And later on, uh, when the CD came, I bought my first few CDs and yeah, it never stopped from there. I always loved yeah, buying music. Now, yep. was this was this always in the electronic music genre or was there a, a style of music that you really liked as a kid growing up and then you found a passion for electronic music later yeah. in life? No, it started off with like uh, soft rock, rock kind of stuff. Uh, my first CD was Guns N' Roses, Usual Illusion 2. And then I went into the heavy metal Megadeths. Um, I went into Nirvana, of course, Nevermind. All that I think was 91 or 92. Those years were crazy there was so many great rock music coming out Pearl Jam and then I discovered this compilation CDs uh, or uh, and tapes they are called Turn to Bass and they were like dance music and came over from UK and US and I was what is this and when I heard this the first time I was immediately like sold on it and then I started buying those compilations and then I got into electronic music as well and you know when you're like 15 16 and you're on school and you always have like the kids that listen to rock, the kids that listen to other music. And I was always the weird one in between. I, I like metal music as well. And I like electronic music, you know, so there was always I always got in from all kinds of genres and yeah, still do. So it's funny that you bring up some of the names of rock music and bring up the early 90s. Because that was a very transformation transformation time for myself as well. Musically, I was yeah. listening to a lot of rap music and a lot of my friends they went the way of guns and roses they went the yeah, way of the yeah. rock bands and i went the way of hip-hop and rap yeah. music and yeah. so it didn't really there was the crossover like the bc boys you know or uh, run dmc did some crossover things like that with aerosmith yeah. that kind of brought it to the mainstream but 
it was 91, 92. I remember Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic, Nirvana, Nevermind, Pearl Jam 10, Soundgarden, Soundgarden, Bad Mortarfinger. And I'm from Seattle. So all these That's artists are right. Say. Yeah, they're right in our backyard going boom, blowing up. And I'm about 17, eight, 16, 17, 18 years old hearing this, but I still have my hip hop side of things. Yeah. I had kind of this electronic music background that wasn't really there, but it wasn't until I went to started going to my first nightclubs. And it was a nightclub called The Underground. And I saw a DJ spinning. The first DJ I ever saw spin was a DJ, local kind of hometown hero, guy that made it out of here by the name of Donald Glaude. And went to this oh, yeah, nightclub yeah, yeah. and was so blown away by Donald's performance, what he was doing, that it, it was dance music. It was like something I'd never seen in a nightclub before at 18 years old. And I was hooked. But when I went back home, I had my rock and roll hip hop <laughs> friends that I hung out with. And I had... The, yeah. You know, we got to the clubs on Friday and Saturday nights and I never really mixed the two worlds. If I tried to bring friends from one world into yeah. that dance, they just they didn't get it. <laughs> um, yeah. But that launched my whole love for electronic music. So, again, I, I'm not sure how old you are, but it sounds like we're right about the same age. Which yeah, is, I'm from 81. So I'm 81. OK, yeah. I'm a little older than you are, but yeah, around the same age. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, would you say would the first record electronic music record or that you played in a club is it yes. worth mentioning or is it embarrassing uh wow well we we started with bingo place 2006 and the first time we played it was an outside venue i remember that or well it was in the city it was like a little stage and i think one of the first records and it was a big record back then was uh federal Legrand's put your hands up for detroit obviously that's not the first electronic record i ever heard but i think that's one of the first records we played and it was a big big song back then so yeah i think one of i think that's one of the first records yeah <laughs> and, and one of your current tracks that just came out recently uh is night shift yes featuring and i hope i say her first name right tania i, I think it's tanya 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 oh tanya foster yeah um what was what was the collaboration of working with her like and putting that that latest track together um well i had the instrumental already done and i needed like a vocal and uh, i sent it to my publisher which is uh music all stars one warner brothers uh warner chapelle sorry and um they said we have this new girl uh tanya she wants to try something on it and uh, uh they sent her the instrumental and she just nailed it so it was great we had a one or two like sessions talking to each other and she knew exactly what I wanted to different and she nailed it. She was so good with it. So I think we're going to hear a lot of more from her. She's a really talented vocalist and writer. Yep. And, and, and Tanya, I apologize for not pronouncing your name right because we already had an episode before the show about pronouncing people's names right. <laughs> so Tanya, please forgive me. Um, so you're primarily known for Electro House. And yeah. is there any other particular style you'd like to experiment or that you do make? Mm, not really. I think I think always with with other songs, if you listen to Bingo Player's first record up until now, I think you can hear that no song is the same. So I always get like influences from other genres as well. So if I want to experiment with another style, it always will creep in a little bit in the latest production right now i'm really busy with a track and it's more italo house that's like the 80s stuff like you maybe if you know purple disco machine that kind of vibe you know more disco-y so 
I like to experiment a little bit with that now. So I don't know. It's always what I feel at that moment. And I don't really think about, oh, now I'm going to make this or now I'm going to make this. You know, it always comes naturally. And you've been working with Hysteria Records for some time now. What's that yeah. relationship been like over the years? And, and, well, it's actually my own label. It's your own label, yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. so uh, we started way, way back, I think, in 2008, 2009, if I'm correct, not sure. But anyway, been around for a long time. Um, we're um, with Spinning Records, who does the distribution and stuff. And um, Paul's little brother, Rutger, is running Hysteria for SPNR or A&R. And uh, yeah, he does all the stuff for Hysteria. And it's, it's great to have your own label where you can put out, like, uh, your own music, but also, like, uh, music from new talents. And, uh, yeah, I think that, that that's great. I mean, I'm going down your artist roster right now. And I was thinking, oh, maybe there might be 10, 15, 20, 30, 40. I think you have like 60 some odd plus artists on this. I There's so many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, wow, that is. Yeah, that's an accomplishment. I, I, I love um, seeing that. Like we build our own our own roster for the DJ sessions. We're building our resident DJ roster as well. Yeah. It's always awesome getting a new artist onboarded. To, to the brand and eventually we're looking at starting our own label here in the future as nice. well we're in talks of that it, it's it's there it's on it's not on the back back burner it's on the burner right here and okay. um you know it's going to be moved to the front burner here hopefully in 2022 after a lot of other stuff we got going on but excited for that as well just oh, cool. you know growing and, and working with you know artists that that like i was i was just saying this earlier today that you know maybe they they don't know where to go. They don't have a home yet. They don't, they haven't yeah. found their place. And we want to kind of, I've always saw our brand as being somewhere where somebody could come in, work with us forever or work with us and say, you know what? I'm moving on to bigger and better things or I'm making the yeah. right decisions. We never want to trap somebody in or hold well, them well, that's in. That's our philosophy you know? as well. We always uh, have very, at least I think very good contracts and because we know how it is when you start like on the bottom and you get your first signing and there are a lot of like, yeah, like you said, like horrible contracts. And we, we always want to trip play it fair, you know, and I think that's very important to have a healthy relationship with the talents that you sign yeah. also for the future, you know? And, you know, I think something that's helped that probably over the last 20 years, obviously is, is technology in the advent of, of the internet and being able to collaborate with people so much faster that you, sure. not that I have anything about management or middle management or anything that, you know, to say bad about that, but you can kind of quickly work with people right away and get yeah. things dialed in and put together right away where before it had to go to this manager and then this manager talked to this manager and then both of them tried to figure out how their cut was going to go. And then they're like, Oh, I got this for the next 10 years. And you're like, Oh, that track's stuck here. And it got to this pup. Yep. Don't need you, you know how it goes. Yeah, um, yeah. And so how often is hysteria releasing tracks? Well, last year we ramped it up to, I think uh, two each month and we're now trying to ramp it up a little bit more. So yeah. We eventually maybe want to do four releases a month if 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 we can find the right songs and if the schedules are lending us. But um, yeah, a lot. Like in the past, it was like maybe once each two months, you know. So we're really, yeah, like I said, ramping up the release schedule. 
and does does hysteria is that the only label you have right now? I know, yes. uh, and is it genre specific? Yeah, well, genre specific. We we of course it, most of it is just house music or a little bit bass house. It can be a little bit uh, tech house. You know, there's always, uh, but I, there's always like some sort of energy in it. If you listen to the records, you'll hear it's, there there is like a one. I say like one general sound maybe that's that you can find in each re in, in each release but yeah it it we don't go too crazy with like from from dubstep to drum and bass to <laughs> to techno or whatever we could try to keep it like a, to a certain degree of yeah. there was it was something just released i believe january 28th um in my phone yes from dirty ducks and yeah. is is dot it life. dot yeah. dot in life Yes. Um, do you have, when, when you're working with tracks, are they strictly producing? Does Hysteria give input to the tracks? Like how, what's that it collaboration look like? Is it, it depends on. Yeah. It depends on who send it. I mean, like we some get some bigger names and they send it and then we already know this, this record is great. You know, we, that don't have to be changed anything. Sometimes we get a record from a big profile, a big name as well. And then we, we are certain that, they have to cut something here and then we ask them like could you maybe just change it or change that and they'll be happy to do it or they are like no we, we we like it as it is and then we respect that but for the talents we try to give as much feedback because sometimes the mix isn't right and then this i'll say send the stems over i'll i'll make a quick mix about how it should sound they are like oh yeah and then they're gonna work on it so it really depends on which artist and like i said sometimes you have to help a little bit more than than another time Definitely, definitely. Um, you know, is, is there anything you'd like to say to up and coming producers to watch out for when it comes to making their career successful, whether it be production or PR or just general watching out for the politics? of the? Industry? Well, yeah, well, the, the thing is like, uh, well, I'm not checking all the demos. Like I said, Rutger, who does the A&R for Hysteria, gets all the demos and he gets in like maybe 50 a day or whatever. And he says, I can't understand why people just send this to me. And he means that, that he gets like, like I said, stuff that's not in the genre. He gets like dubstep or he gets very, uh, even got like rock music. And he is like, if people, if you send your song out to a label, make sure to know which label you're sending it to. What, what is the style? What is the sound they are looking for? Listen to the last 10 releases and then make sure that what you are sending is fits the label you know what i mean we are not looking for for, for rock music you know or we're not looking for uh, like i said dubstep or techno we're, we're a little bit bass house tech house funky stuff you know so watch out for that that's the first big trap a lot of young producers fall in when they have they, they have their demo they just put it on blast to 40 labels or sometimes you get like hey armada music love the label here's my new demo like dude if you're not, not even checking your emails what you're sending an a and r will see through this and they were like i'm not gonna even listen to your demo you know so that's a one of my biggest biggest tips <laughs> you know i think that was somebody and somebody one of the biggest things to follow up with that was to actually build a relationship with somebody before you send something over. See if you can talk yeah. to somebody, see if you can find out because you might be that bass producer or that techno producer. And they'll say, 
hey, by the way, we don't we don't take those submissions. And now you're not burning a contact. Yeah. Ending yeah. up on a block list somehow. Because if you decided to shift later on or you do produce that kind of music and you're just not that genre that you're sending out, you yeah. don't want to be on a, a block list. And your email yeah, goes yeah, to yeah. dead air. You're like, no, blocked. <laughs> like, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, see you later. Um, so do you follow other record labels and, and kind of watch what they're releasing at the same time? Do you have time to do that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, have a, I do a weekly radio show. So I get like all the promos also from other labels. And I play them in my show as well. It's not only Hysteria and Spinning or Spinning Sublabels. So I, I listen to the stuff that Armada sends me, uh, Hexagon, Revealed, like all the all the other big labels, you know, in our genre. So, and I think it's very interesting to see what, what they are doing, what kind of style they're doing, what producers they attract. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's very helpful for yourself as well to, to listen to the latest stuff. And it's good for me as like uh, uh, somebody who runs a record label, but also as a producer to hear like what is coming, what is, each week I get the new stuff. So that's great. I'm going to pause here and go with a question because I don't know if you can hear it in the background or not. This is totally off topic, but... Do you allow pets in your studio? No, no, I don't have pets. <laughs> you don't have pets? I, you know, I'm allergic to most pets, so like like hair. So if there's like a dog here that hair, has hair or a cat or whatever, I would be sneezing all the time. So that's why I won't allow. And I have my, all my records here and all my all my stuff. So I, <laughs> I love pets if you have them, but you know, not for me in the studio. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you can hear this guy back. Oh here, yeah, but. Yeah. but he, he just woke up and said, I oh, want wow. something. So he's meowing in the background. And I'm like, I didn't hear that. I I'm didn't trying to that. pet him with my foot. His name's Yama. And I'm just like, Yama, come on, chill. <laughs> I'm in an interview. So he's just saying, I want some attention. Okay. If I do that, what you do right now, my eyes will be red right now. And I would sneeze like crazy. <laughs> well, uh, well, thank you for that moment. I just didn't know if people could hear that in the background. No, I didn't hear it. And then he just jumps up. And sometimes he'll walk right in front of the screen, too. It's kind of hilarious. Pets like to do that sometimes. But going back to Hysteria Radio, I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because I recently saw, and you might have a couple more episodes since we since we contacted each other, but I saw episode 303. Yes. Does that mean yeah. you've done 303 weeks of yeah. shows? Yes. I mean, congratulations on that for for I mean, that's a that's a feat in itself. Same with something that's weekly, constantly <coughs> producing it, putting it out, the research that goes into it. I know what it's like. I mean, well, I, we got... And I do it all myself, you know? So it's, there's nobody that helps me it was because some DJs have companies that mix them for it and whatever. So oh, I think they, have ghost, they have ghost shows now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> hey, I was going to become one of the first ghost DJs in the world back in... We were joking about the idea back in 2010 when I first started the show. And, uh, and I was going to have my friends make mixes and then I'd play the mixes. Yeah. And then it just... I'd just be doing the hand and doing all this and you know for for a live stream which is so funny because i just launched my dj page on my website but it's a complete like parody kind of thing yeah. um i'm the dj's dj uh, I, I just press play <laughs> that's all i do and i play mixes that other people make but it's just a parody because everyone always asks me if i dj yeah. Like, no, I do a D I'm executive producer. I do a DJ yeah. show. So I'm doing all the back end work, like what you do for your show yeah. to curate, put everything together. And people just think, Oh, I just, I just hit you up on like, they think it's as simple. I hit you up on Facebook said, let's do an interview right now. Zoom. It's like, no, yeah. there's orchestration, there's management, there's things that have to align <laughs> and dates and times. So again, congratulations on keeping that show going and, and 
um, for the future success of the show. I hope you just keep doing it because it is Ooh. something out there. Now, is it a podcast series? Uh, yeah, you do as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a podcast. You find it, can find it on Apple or on mm -hmm. SoundCloud, YouTube. Uh, it's, it's being synced as well, like to radio stations. Yeah. Over the world so yeah yeah one of the, the coolest things is uh, i was just talking about podcasting recently and the advent of a certain person who's coming under a lot of fire right <laughs> now for his podcast series in spotify uh, they don't pay me money to mention his name so i don't um <laughs> but no joe rogan yeah, you know was is, is doing all the crazy stuff with him going on in his podcast and spotify and the backlash and a good friend of mine or online friend of mine who i've known for Oh, 17 years when I first started podcasting, we were both in the featured um, section of the iTunes music store when they revamped the whole podcast section. Yeah. Had extensive conversations about how do we monetize this? How do we make money at this? Well, now he owns one of the largest podcasting companies that hosts podcasts for everyone. But just recently, I saw him post something about this. And the fact that podcasting is one of the last distribution mediums that you can actually still retain ownership of you know if you put everything on youtube or you put everything on spotify or i mean if it, yeah. I guess spotify is hosted by podcasts but or if you put it on on a medium that they can take your content down you lose all that but with a podcast yeah. your stuff's all on a server and it's just a document that points there so if somebody took me down yeah. somewhere here i can do a redirect and boom it's still pointing right back to those episodes and i yeah. don't lose all of that yeah. Uh, which is, I think, just the power of podcasting that a lot of people don't know exists and that yeah. you may not have to make that. Not that I have anything wrong with SoundCloud or MixCloud or anything of that nature, but you yeah, can yeah. make your own, basically your own listening platform and then people can subscribe to it and they'll be notified. It'll automatically download it to their mobile device, to their computer yeah. when there's a new episode. It's like, oh, something new's in my inbox, you know? Yeah. I think it's been a very underrated platform, especially when you looked at the technical starting of podcasting versus yeah. throwing a video up to YouTube. Yeah. You know, YouTube was like, oh, here's my file. I load it and I just put some stuff in here. Podcasting was like, oh, I got to know a little bit of code. Maybe I got to get a server. What's that mean? I got to pay money for that. Biggest, I think one of the biggest gateways for a lot of people is they look at that $5, $10, even $20 a month as kind of a hindrance to their yeah. career rather than like, no, I, I should be spending a hundred. I should be spending 150 or maybe whatever I can, but 10 bucks a month shouldn't be that much to host my own show that I can then distribute to all the aggregators and, and have yeah. thousands of people listening to me and um, still retain the ownership. So yeah. I'm sure you've gone through that, that process. Now, in, in addition, we were talking about record labels that you um, listen to or follow. You're getting everyone submit everything to you. Do you ever go out and actually listen to other shows or uh, podcasts and do any takeaways from them? Or, or not is that really, not really. <laughs> to be honest, I don't have the time to listen to a lot of like podcast stuff. Yeah, I listen to like, like I said, all the new music that comes in. That's like almost like two days worth of like listening <laughs> to music. Then I'm producing music all the time. And then I'm doing the radio show, of course, like mixing it together. And if, if I have shows, I also play in the weekends, like, house music, electronic music. So I try to balance it a little bit. So I, when I have free time, I listen to totally different music instead of like going back into the genre or in the whole scene where I'm already spending so much time and hours listening to new music. So yeah. I, I, don't, I can, 
Yeah. I can definitely relate to that. Uh, one of my favorite internet line, online stations I listen to is uh, Soma FM, and they have a station called Groove Salad, which is like a down-tempo ambient station. And yeah. if I'm not producing a show or watching tracks, you're catching me listening to down-tempo ambient <laughs> totally totally have to do that and and you're actually in your studio right now um yes. looks looks pretty spacious you got a couch back there yeah, yeah. A very minimal setup from what i can see over your right shoulder i believe that is yeah, yeah. yeah you hey, are you more of a hardware or software producer or, or both <coughs> a little bit of, i think both but okay. most of the time I'm used, just using my laptop and like plugins. And sometimes when I need a specific kind of effect or sound, I'll go into the, the synths or especially the processing. I have like this phaser, that's a phasing effect called and Sonic DP4. That's what Daft Punk used a lot in the records. And I cannot find a plugin that, that mimics that sound exactly. And that thing does. So for effects and kind of stuff, sometimes but most of the time it's 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 plugins so yeah, yeah. do you have a, a favorite plugin or program that you use over and over again insight tip well i'm, I'm using ableton so ableton. <laughs> that's my favorite uh of course um for plugins um well there which i always use are the fab filter plugins like the pro q3 the limiter every session um there's now a new plugin called split eq very dope very dope plugin um the sound toy stuff the arturia collection i really like it because they have like um the fee collection i, I think it's called with all the um, all the analog synths rebuilt and they sound fantastic so if you want to buy those like in real in real life you will be it would cost you a fortune and they do a really good job at emulating those so yeah i think those those are my one of my favorites yeah i i grew up as a kid and i talk about this a lot in interviews uh when it goes back to you know a, not analog gear or the analog days or or you know the early days of synthesizers my brothers were musicians and my dad kind of furnished a small studio for them back in the day he had an eight track recorder four track recorder synths rack mounts all that fun stuff and it was a lot of technology and they we're yeah. talking the early 80s you know, and uh, I would get in there and sneak into their bedroom and I'd play with their gear and yeah. move the buttons and I'd read the manuals and they'd come home and they'd be really pissed off at me because they're like, what are you doing playing with the gear? What are you doing in my bedroom? Get up. And I'd be like, but check this out. And, I'd do -do -do. and they go, <laughs> how did you do that? And I'm like, I read the manual. Yeah. But in the 80s, the manuals, they were translating these manuals from Japanese to English. Yeah. So they read really kind of strange. It would almost take, like, I would say, a childlike brain to <laughs> not have an adult brain on it to make sense of, like, okay, press this button. The it's way they read were really weird work, well, as opposed so, to so, now. So some are, like, very hard to program. I got the Yamaha DX7. That's one of the notorious since to program. They they. It, it has great presets and you hear them everywhere. I don't know why, because nobody wanted to, <laughs> at the time to figure out to make their own presets, but you can make some amazing sounds with that thing if you know what you're doing. So yeah, I know what you're, what you're saying about that. Yeah, I always had a, 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 a affliction or a passion for music, but I ended up picking up a video camera at the <laughs> age of six and kind of 
fell in love with that. I was watching Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark and Close Encounters with all the big movies and, and TV shows. So I kind of got into the video aspect of things and, and went that route. But at one point in my life, I did own a, a MC505 and an SP808 little rolling couple of little oh, nice. things and was playing around with that and being my friend's house. And we'd be kicking back like on a Friday night and check this out, you know, and he's like, that's sick. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just like hitting buttons and reading the manual. Awesome. Very cool stuff there. Um, you know, uh, shifting gears here a little bit to, to a, a more world, que- world question. How has your experience been seeing the rise uh, of the U S EDM scene and has it been different than what has happened in Europe? Well, in Europe, there was a lot already like a big mm-hmm. electronic scene, also mainstream. That we had a lot of festivals in the, in in the uh, in Holland and in Europe. But uh, when EDM exploded, like the end of two thousand nine, two thousand ten, or something, we were just right in the middle of that, you know. And we were exploding as well. We had some records coming out that did very well. And we, for the first time, we were flying to the U.S. And that was a dream for us, like going over there and do these clubs and, and whatever, you know. It was amazing to be there and get paid to play music in the U.S. Because, like I said, we that was always a dream for us. And when we really blew up, we did the big festivals, Ultra, uh, EDC and stuff, Coachella. So, yeah, that was, that was amazing. Like when the EDM was at its height in 2011, 2012, it was amazing. And in Europe, like I said, it's always been around. This it's still around, but it, I didn't. Uh, I say it. I didn't catch catch it when it became very big. I don't know when that was. I mean, it, I think it went very gradually, gradually from in the end of the eighties, maybe early nineties, and then I was still ten. So I, I didn't really catch the the first raves coming to 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 the Netherlands. You know, I think that I was too young for that. Yeah, you know, I mean, well, I, I know there's some difference in age restrictions sometimes in other countries where you yeah. can do the cool stuff at younger ages. Yeah, well, uh, I was 13 when I went to a first rave. I was 13 years old. You know, that's crazy. It was a nightclub. And um, yeah, everybody was doing drugs. And I was like, what, what are those guys doing? You know, I, I was not even aware of that. But I mean, yeah, there's, there's a difference for sure. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, even in an all-ages show, I think it's 16 here, but I rarely hear... There might all ages events are usually eighteen and up now. Yeah, um, yeah. unless it's like a big festival, like a, a like a all inclusive festival, and people are bringing their 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 kids with them, you know, and traveling yeah, yeah. with them to these festivals right. and doing things like that. But it's it's been a very interesting explosion over the last, like you said, 10, 15 years. Yeah, um, you know. But even looking back when it was, I was going to the clubs. It was an underground thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm not going to that club. It's playing electronic music. And yeah, the people that were going, it was very an underground thing. So yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of events and large scale events, you're not too far away from this one, I think. But ADE, uh, yes. are you, do you play that quite frequently or do you go? Yeah, I, I try to go. The last two years have been different, of course, because everything was closed. Um, but years before that, we did our own hysteria night. So we did like a, an evening with them. Uh, we invited uh, other artists and then we did uh, one night. Um, and we've been doing that for, I think, four or five years before this. And before that, I, w- I went to AD as, as a visitor. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Have you heard of a Sonar Festival? Yes, that's in Spain, right? Spain, yep, Barcelona. 
Yeah. yeah. One of my, one of my, two of my things we're looking to do is obviously get back on the street more, be on the ground, be talking to people in person finally, once again, yeah. and AD is on our, on our list. Sonar is coming up. I just got the invite for the Malta conference and it's like, Oh, wow. I think I opened a huge can of worms here now. I can be yeah, traveling right. the world. AD is great to like meet so many people. I mean, you also have, of course, Miami Ultra or Miami yeah. Music Week, but there's always more partying going on and just relaxing at the pools and the sun. And AD is more, more business because it's cold. People go inside and they talk more with, with each other. So <laughs> it would be great. Yeah. To, to come uh, to AD. For I think that's what, that's why it's pretty much on, on our radar as being one of the ones we want to get out there. I've never been out there before. I got a fresh passport has right. one stamp and I got to go to Mexico last year for, but Tulum is supposed to be popping up pretty being one of those kind of hot spots to go to as well. I hear a lot of people talking about that might make it there, but we're looking at sonar ADE uh, of getting back out there on the street, talking about being indoors though, spending time indoors, shift over, going to shift over here to video games. Yes. Grand theft auto. Is that one of your favorite games? Mm, not really. I played it, but it's not really my favorite game. I, I do. I like the music from Grand Theft Auto Five, like uh, all the radio stations. Oh, I mean, Grand Theft Auto Five City with all the radio stations. And I played GTA Five a lot, but it's not my favorite game. Like in the what? It, what is your favorite game? I, I really don't have like one specific favorite game. I I like the the Zelda franchises. I like um um. The, in two weeks or now three weeks from now the new from software that's like a company puts out Elden Ring that's like a really cool game I'm looking forward to but I don't have like really one specific game that's my all-time favorite of that. have you ever looked into VR do you own an not yet no no not yet it seems interesting but I, I cannot see myself placing a thing on my head like in being this in a room I don't know it feels feels weird to me I'm, I'm, I'm old school I'm used to having a controller and a TV so but I'm hearing it's a very immersive experience. So maybe in the future I'll I'll try it out once. And yeah, we're 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 right now in the process of uh, our beta version of our nightclub build for VR. Awesome. Yeah, it's gonna it's it, we have the build. We're just now figuring out how to get it deployed. It's not as easy as like deploying a website. Like it's like oh I've got the build. Let me throw it up because our build was actually made for high end computers. And yeah. we got to figure out how to like shrink it down. So I'm learning a whole new wow. area of VR. And then we're going to ex be expanding that into augmented reality or AR as well, um, which we're super excited for, you know, especially as events and things come out, but the devices have to come out so you can have that experience. Yeah, and yeah. probably I'd say two years, you're going to see concert and have concert goers wearing yeah, yeah. their AR glasses and having, I'm going to be able to change the sky or, or look at the stage and change around with the lighting show that's going on. Or be awesome. It's going to be some awesome stuff there in yeah. that VR, AR world. But, um, you know, two of my favorite games, Beat Sabers and Beat Saber. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, Synth Riders. I just got into another kind of interactive game. It, it's, it's pretty, pretty kick-ass. It's a different experience. Um, do you ever remember, it's, just, it's probably isn't the best example of it, but do you remember the movie Labyrinth with David Bowie? I, I as a kid, when I was very young, but I was so scared of that movie, I, I never watched it again. So, but I, it's a bit of a weird movie, right? 
kind of weird kind of kind of a jim henson muppets you know puppeteering yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i could see it being very scary very scary to a kid You're five years old I um, think. well yeah very scary to a five-year-old um but it was funny somebody went and they mapped the song dance magic by david bowie and when you map it you move, move all the hands so you're moving around and I was literally like dancing the dance magic in the movie. It was like crazy. More beat sabers, a little bit more. Okay. You got lightsabers and you're like slashing these blocks that are yeah. flying at you. Very awesome experience. Um, but uh, as we look to the future and things in the future, three little letters come to mind. I'm sure you've heard them buzzwords over everyone out there. Yeah. NFTs. Yes. And have you looked into NFTs and, 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 and what do you see the future of NFTs being with the bingo players and or hysteria? I, I have no plans for NFTs yet. I, I'm To be honest, I still don't really get the whole technology and the stuff behind it. So I'm still exploring that and seeing what other artists are doing and stuff there. Some artists are like very over it. That like I mean, talking about it like very much, you know what I mean? It's like I want to see about your new music oh no it's about nfts again you know what i mean so sometimes i'm i'm like wow it should be the big next thing um but uh, to be honest i'm not really like so confident that i can say oh I, it sucks or i love it you know it's still for me a very vague and gray area where i still need to learn more about it to really make decisions if i want to do an nft or how and so yeah we'll see in the future like i said it's the future stuff for me but some Definitely. people are really deep into it already. So, yeah. Definitely Web3, Web3, the future of where it's going to go. And they kind of say that Web3 will give the internet back to the end user. Yes. Yeah, so um, well. You know, it was, uh, there was like Web1, Web2, and now we got Web3. And, and, and being able to do that from an artist standpoint or a musician's standpoint of where you can create something and blockchain it and go, this is the original copy. You know, I recently saw something on Twitter. It was actually Twitter itself that if you took an NFT image and uploaded it as your profile picture, Twitter will give you a special badge and say, okay. this is an NFT image that you actually do own this image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you think about the implications of that, that you go to something like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even TikTok, that if you don't have the NFT, the rights, you're not going to be able to upload that no. and how that can protect musicians in a way, because um, you can say, hey, I'm releasing my track or, or you know, do, do they buy the song and it has an NFT or do we start seeing NFT um, CDJs come out? Say, hey, you can't bootleg music anymore because you have to, it's going to be the NFT or- As a copy or, protection or authentication for- Authentication. It, it, it's very, it's very uh, interesting. Uh, some people were talking about like watches, like very expensive watches. Uh, putting an NFT or like connecting an NFT to it. So, you know, that watch is authentic. I yep. can see like the use for that for NFTs for sure. Yep. Like I said, I'm still too, for me, it's just too much right now. I still really have to see how it goes and more invest more or uh, investigate more about how it really works. And it's interesting for sure. Like two years ago, nobody talked about it. Like it's since one year that everybody's suddenly talking about it. So exactly now um going into selling items selling things do you have your own merchandise as well i do i do yeah i think it's on our facebook page i think there's a, a link to some t-shirts and caps and that kind of stuff yeah yeah I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that right now and um on your shopping site you got view all products where does it take us oh feature collection you got bathing suits oh yeah bathing suits. Oh, oh, yeah. okay i got 
I got the bathing suit that came up for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay, now we got the hats and the, yeah. the smiley face. It's I, I always is there a name for your smiley face do you i call it a smiley face but no it's just a smiley face smiley face we actually <laughs> yeah, it, it comes, um, it, i mean it's it comes from the the whole asset old school stuff like i said when i was young and i the first few images that you always see with the old grave culture is always the smiley face always also had like a big t-shirt when i was like eight years with a big smiley face and it always stuck with me and then we used it for our logo as well we uh we do um are you familiar with what's called what's with what's called us uh, silent disco or silent concerts yeah yeah of course yeah we do those events here we're actually uh, upgraded and we call it silent instead of silent disco we call it silent concert and this year we're going to be launching hopefully silent festivals um you know because we just got our new seven channel headsets in but one of our 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 one of our icons is the yellow dot and uh, we have a picture and it's actually the smiley face is actually a pair of headsets turned upside oh, yeah. down. So the eyeballs are the, the eyes and then the, the smile is the headset. Oh. And then our hashtag is uh, it stands for what color are you on or W-C-Y-O for the, the headsets. And uh, I'm just a huge fan of silent concert technology. I think there's a lot of applications that we can use for, especially when you're mixing in an a, a AR experience. Yeah, yeah. You know, somebody awesome. could go, okay, I'm listening to the blue channel now. But I'm going to put the blue experience on or change it to the red experience. And now the red channel's on. Um, we're really excited to, to, to be rolling awesome, out this yeah. technology. Um, we have, I don't know if anyone else has these. We have seven channel headsets. That's and most crazy. people only have three channel headsets and uh there's you know there's lot. still there's still the uh there's still the age the the, the battle or the oh, i like to feel the music versus the younger generation like i don't care i just want to listen to the music and, and yeah. so you it's know it's more about the whole experience where you are experience. like with the, with the people around you so yeah absolutely well you know i'm uh is there anything else you want to let our dj sessions fans know before i let you get going back into your studio get back to work uh no not really i mean my new song is out night shift as you mentioned so check it out and um yeah you can find me on uh on of course on, on all social media uh, soundcloud instagram facebook twitter whatever so hit me up there um yeah that's it basically i don't know what else more to say yeah awesome well we're gonna stay in contact with you over the course of the year that's one of the things we've kind of vowed to do is you know, just make sure we're always staying in contact. We're looking forward to what you have coming out for 2022 and beyond. And, and yes. thank you for taking the time with us today to sit down and talk with us all the way from, from Enschede. You know, the <laughs> Netherlands. Where was that again? Enschede. Enschede. I don't know. I give a personal anecdote of how I worked with uh, I worked on the fishing boats when I was a kid, when I was 21 years old. And a lot of, a lot, they brought a lot of people from around the world for this huge company that was all over the world. And, you know, having people speak different languages, there were definitely uh, people from all over the world with different accents. That was an interesting time. Uh, you know, <laughs> interesting trying to learn things. Although I did learn, are you a fan of mayonnaise? Yeah, yeah. It's the, like the Dutch, the Dutch eat it with everything. Yeah. Dutch you put it on everything. <laughs> like, yeah, almost, yeah. almost everything. <laughs> I love mayonnaise. I love, but I, I know there's, there's American like mayonnaise and there's overseas mayonnaise. It's not the yeah, same thing. Different, different. Yeah. But again, I'm, this is the show up music, not mayonnaise, but <laughs> thank you so much. Mar Thanks for having me. Martin. 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 Yes. Right. Thank well, you. thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, we'll see you here soon. All right. See you next time. Thank you. 
And don't forget to go to our website, thedjsessions.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, hashtag us, The DJ Sessions, or TDJS, if you're so bold. This is the bingo players on the virtual sessions. And you know what happens on the DJ Sessions? The music never stops.